and welcome to episode 22 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, August 22nd, 2019. Oh, episode 22 on the 22nd. It's got to be good luck for something. Let's take it. Okay. (laughs) Thank you to all of our listeners, old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How are you doing today? I am doing okay. We're in the middle of the... Everybody's back to school. Back to school. Yeah. That's a good thing. I don't think the Canadians are, though, because my friend Charlotta is still doing her art camp, which is awesome. That is good. But I'm assuming they're not back to school. Maybe... Maybe they go after Labor Day like New England does. And I think there's some schools around here that do after Labor Day. Yeah. So my friend Kelly in mm-hmm. Florida. Or who's different from my friend Kelly, I was. Who's different from my other friend Kelly. Oh, all right. We have a wealth of Kellys. Yes. And that is a good thing. Yeah. Kelly D on mm-hmm. Instagram. She sent me a link to the National Day calendar oh. on Instagram. It's. Nat Day Cal. Okay. And today, can I can I sure. announce it? Yes, please. Hold your hats because it's it's National Canine Therapy Dog Day. That's a good one. So pictures of puppies. Yes. Well, not all of them are I mean, those dogs right. are mature, let's face it. They're still puppies. <clears throat> it's also National Bow Day. I think that's that dumpling. dumpling. Yeah. And National Pecan tort day. Now, also delicious. how do you pronounce pecan? Pecan is pecan. I'm thinking about it. Pecan. I don't. I don't think I say pecan. Does anybody say pecan? Yes. Okay. I don't know. I say pecan, but my son corrected me the other day and said, "I think it's pecan, mom." So I think it depends where you are. Either way, celebrate it. Throw some chocolate in there. It's also Museum Meme Day, so all the museums are. Posting. I need to look at this. Museum-related memes. That's pretty funny. If that's your thing, it's mine. Anyway, thanks, Kelly, for the link to Nat Cal Day. Yeah. Um, I'm all over it, and you should be, too. <laughs> can you peek ahead and see what's coming up, or is it really just... Um, I think you can... You get a little notice for what's coming up so that... You can prepare? Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. I guess you could scroll back through. I don't know. That might be... That's a commitment. You might just want to be surprised. Yeah. Something that is not a surprise. Nice transition. <laughs> Thanks. This is what we'll be discussing this episode. On the needles, on the easel, on the table, on the nightstand, and bingo. We are getting so close to the end. I'm so excited to report in. Me too. On the needles. I finished two things. Yay! I actually finished them. Gold star. Thanks. Two of them. Um, so I finished my sweater, my flax light by Tin Can Knits. The yarn was from Gage Dye Works Whiskey in a Teacup Colorway. And this was the rainbow sweater that I've been talking about in her special sweater yarn, which is designed so that you can have rainbow stripes at the top in the yoke of your sweater. And then and you just keep knitting and there's no ends to weave in and then you keep going and you get a solid kind of a blue gray for the sleeves and the body. And it was great. Fits really well. I feel like I maybe could have done another half inch on the body. And I'm contemplating pulling out the bottom and adding it in. How much of a cuff is there? Or a... Like an inch, inch oh. and a half. It's not that much. I mean, it's one by one where they ribbing, so it would be a bit of a pain. And realistically, it probably won't happen. But in theory, I might do that. 
Can't you just like stretch it a little bit when you're blocking it? Yes. <laughs> this is the Courtney. <laughs> the no, Courtney I, and I had I was talking with someone else about it, and they suggested the same thing. I'm not sure how much it will. Yeah, but don't you find that even regular store bought knitwear, when you hand wash it and hang it, it does relax a little bit. So yeah, there's. It might. I could try it again, blocking it again. Oh, you've already blocked it. Never yeah. mind. Well, but I didn't try and make it longer. Mm. I was trying to just sort of keep the shape because it felt like it was good. But then you put it on and it, when I bend over, it kind of rides up and I'm tugging it down. And yeah. You know how that goes. I mean, I'm assuming everyone has come back. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I, you're speaking my language. Yes. But it was fun. I wore it the first day of school for my younger kid was super foggy. I think it even they were talking about the depth of the marine layer in the newspaper. So it was pretty, pretty serious fog that morning, dripping, very wet, but perfect sweater weather. So I wore it and there was a parent coffee and I saw a mom that I hadn't seen in a while. She lives on my block, but her daughter was at the elementary school and now she's at the middle school. So we were chatting to other people and I sort of looked over and I noticed that she was wearing what looked to be a hand knit sweater. And I know that she is a knitter. And she looked over and noticed my sweater, and we kind of looked at each other and pointed at each other and made little <laughs> smiley faces. We're like, that's a hand knit? Yes, nice. Yes, you too? All right. So that was fun. And then she came over, and we were talking about it and had a little sweater knitting conversation. That's fun. That was good. Oh, and Simon, best husband ever, I came in wearing it in the morning. He's like, did you make that? Oh, no, you couldn't possibly have. It's too amazing. <laughs> or words to that effect. I was like, no, actually, I did, but thank you. So I feel this is a very successful finish. I can't object. wait to see it. Oh, you haven't seen it. I'll have to show you. And I finished the socks for Simon. I fixed the heel, fixed both heels. What? You finished Simon's socks? Yes. I told you it was two forever projects. Finally got wow. them. Wow. They seem to fit. He was wearing them. I took pictures this morning, so I still need to post them. They seem to be good. Bravo. So that was exciting. Oh, and Simon's socks were from the Regia design line by Arnie and Carlos. And it was just a basic vanilla sock pattern, nothing special. Um, but this, the pattern, the yarn is self-striping and patterning. So it has red stripes and blue stripes, and then it has a, like a white with blue speckled stripe and green, it, very fancy. And Fun. I have no idea how they do it, but very exciting. Oh, I've also <laughs> been working on my socks, Hermione's Everyday Socks which is a pattern by Erica Luder that is in the White Birch Fiber Arts sock base in the colorway Nasty Woman. Um, and it's a bright pink and bright green. It's very loud. Fun. Color pattern. It has to get really cold for me to contemplate putting a sock on, unless I'm hiking or something. Right. Yeah, no, I like socks, and I'll wear them around the house, too. Yeah. Because we have wood floors, so it gets I am in the winter. often barefooted. Hot-footed. Hot-footed. But would be good. Yeah, no, I'm always super cold. Thus, knitwear. So those are coming along pretty well. It's a little bit of a pattern, but not terribly much. And now that we're back to soccer practice season, I have more more time to be working on it. Um, so then the two that I started, the first is the Porthole Cowl by Knitting Expat Designs. And this is the one from my Mini Skein Pattern Club. Okay. Um, this is not the yarn that Simon bought me for Mother's Day. This is the one... I found yarn in my stash, and I was looking, and this is deep stash. One skein is from 2009, and the other I have had since 2010. Well, three Irish girls, I remember buying yes. 
three Irish girls yarn with you ages ago. A sock summit, yeah. Yeah. Um, the first one is an adorned sock. It's a mini skein in a maple vanilla colorway. The skeins go from hmm, kind of a cafe au lait to pretty much a cream color. Um, and there's four of them. They're like Burn. warm grays, warm gray browns. Yeah. Yeah. Really and then, pretty. Yeah, it's really nice. And then the blue one is an interesting yarn. It's merino and seaweed. Some sort of really? yarn they've made from seaweed. Yep. Hooray. Look at this cute bag. Is oh. this new? Yes. That is Hohi Locatelli has started making bags. I want one. Well, get on Instagram and follow her and be ready for the bags to pop up because they go quickly. It's really nice. So the Westerly Seesaw is in the ocean gradient, and it's like a dark teal to a light turquoise. This is the cowl. I think I talked about this a little bit before, but so it's two colors. They're using slipped stitches to sort like there's like little, a, a honeycomb. That's a good word for it. Yeah, so there's your main color, and I'm using the browns, maple vanilla for that. And then my background is the blues, and you start with the darkest color of one set and the lightest color of the other set, and then it kind of keeps going, and it'll make a giant infinity cowl that you can wrap around. So that's fun, and I've pretty much memorized the pattern on that. It's, you know, super simple but fun to do. So that'll take me a while because it is two skeins worth of sock yarn. Yeah, that's um, a lot of yarn. But I think it's going to be nice and comfy. And so you end up, and you do it in the round, so you're going to end up with a double layer of, well, double knit yarn. So it's going to be super squishy. So you'll I see. end up, yeah. So it'll get super long and you'll come back around. and It's like a giant up. sleeve that does like the Mobius. Yes, except okay. it's not, I'm not going to Mobius it. I mean, I guess okay. I could. So I'm enjoying that. And I think I, and I think I started that one instead of the Rainbow Wings cowl just because the stash was so old and I was so excited to find it. Yeah. And go ahead and start knitting with it. They're super fun mini skeins. I've had them forever and I just never really knew what to do with them. What I wanted to do with them. And I think I had plans off and on through the years, but nothing that really spoke to me. So I'm super excited to find find a forever project for them. And then I started my descent cardigan. Finally. Yay! That's the one I've been talking about since, gosh, I mean, January, February. I got the yarn for this at Stitches West in February, and that was one of the things I went to Stitches West, knowing I wanted to get, it's, again, two colors. And so I needed the main color and then the design color, and I wanted to make sure I could see them in person. And Yeah, it's a commitment. So I'm super excited. The pattern is by Andrea Rangel. And she, I hadn't quite realized that she's the designer that designed the sweater that I did earlier in the year that was, again, a yoke cow, uh, yoke sweater with the, the blue one with the blue wave pattern. Oh, yeah. This is also a yoke sweater, so presumably it should fit me as well. My gauge is a little bit off, but I'm going to do the smallest size, and it's supposed to be kind of an oversized sweater anyway, so I think it should be okay. I looked at the math, and it shouldn't be too far outside the range of positive ease that is recommended. Um, So the yarn that I'm using for that is Magpie Fibers Domestic Worsted in Velvet Underground, which is an amazing deep purple. Yes, it is. It's positively royal. It is super dark. Boy, that's awesome yarn. It's Isn't um, that nice? Feels really great. I rinsed the skeins before I used them and wound them because I was worried there would be a lot of excess dye because that is... Mm. Such a deep purple. And there was little to no runoff. So really? I know, right? Very impressive. I wonder if that will happen with... I didn't rinse my skeins 
with my 7 8 sweater. Well, that one's fine because that's a solid color sweater. My issue is that if the purple, oh, when I, I see when I yeah. knit up the sweater, it would bleed into the lighter. Exactly. So okay. that is what I didn't want to happen. So smart. So I think, well, I didn't used to do that. Lesson learned. Not, no, knock on wood. I have not had problems so far, but I've definitely heard their issues and I just didn't in, want it. I'm happen. holding Monica's swatch in my hands. It feels so good. This watch. is going to be so great. I'm I pretty just excited. Really love the feel of that. The contrast color is. Spin Cycle Yarns Dream State in Verba Volante, which rainbow pastel barber pole. It made me think of those um, really pretty candy cane sticks. Not the ones, you know, like how you can get them in pretty colors, not just red and white oh, like or green and white. Like a confectioner. Yeah. yeah. They, it's just, um, they're really pretty colors. It looks almost hand spun. Yes. I don't think it is. This is how a lot of their yarns are. And they're a gradient. Start with two colors and then they swap out one and then keep swapping. So this one starts off with like a pink and a blue gray. And then they swap out the blue for green. And then they swap the green for a yellow. Mm -hmm. And then eventually they're going to, I don't know, they keep swapping. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It is really cool. Hooray! So I'm excited about that. And this is the sweater that's based on Ruth Bader Ginsburg's Descent collar. Her, her lace collars, yeah. which was her... The one she wears when she writes yeah. a dissenting opinion. Yeah. Oh, and this is the other exciting thing. So it's going to be a cardigan, but you're knitting it in a round, which means I will be staking this sweater. Um, and this makes you slightly nervous? No. Oh, oh good. So staking is when you cut your yarn. Right. So you can, it's much easier to do color work in the round. So you're just knitting and you don't have to purl back. But then if you want a cardigan, you do a couple stitches in the middle and you just cut them. You're I, treating the yarn in that portion as though it were just fabric. Right. Um, so I have not done steaking before. I'm very excited to try it. I am not so much worried about the cutting of the yarn because I'm pretty confident cabling without a cable needle. When you're making a cable, you take the needle out of one set of stitches, move it all around, and stick it back in. So I know I know the stitches aren't going to go anywhere. The problem is when you start yanking on the yarn, that's when you lose stitches. So I'm not worried about that part, but you have to use a sewing machine to sew up on either side so that they don't run, and then you have to pick up the stitches at some in some manner. So that's the part that I'm kind of worried about. Because, A, I don't have a sewing machine. Luckily, I know one or two people with sewing machines. My first thought is I would definitely do it with a walking foot on a sewing machine. Sure. Which is a foot that... So a sewing machine has a has grabber on the bottom, and then it has a plate on top that sort of pushes it along. Oh, right, right. So the whole thing is going like this. Mm -hmm. And then when you put a walking foot on... It allows the fabric to stretch a little bit, and so it's it's taking it all at the same time, so mm -hmm. things don't get all bunched up. But what you can do, if you want this to be 100% Monica, is take something like this and come up, take your swatch, mm -hmm. and see what it feels like to sew your swatch with the sewing machine. You know what I mean? Yeah. And well, do some practicing. I will definitely do some practicing on a swatch I'll probably I'll probably want to do a steak swatch yeah that'll have the cutting so I can practice some because this I mean I could do it with this this is just all knitting 
but it would be easier probably if I had more. Mm -hmm. And maybe, I mean, it doesn't even have to be the same for the first couple of tries. It doesn't have to be this same. Could just be another swatch from some other project that you. Oh, that's true. You know, I would try it several times. <laughs> Although I do have to say, if you sew something, you can really easily take. You know, you can tr do your first try with like bright orange thread so that you can see it, and oh, then just yeah. go over it with your final thread, like you know, just right next to it, like an eighth of an inch over or something. And then you've got a guide, you know exactly what it's going to do, and then you pull out the bright one. Oh, interesting. So there's a lot of ways to do it with insurance. And right. sewing is, well, it's so much more my comfort zone than the knitting. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm excited about that, and we will we will see. Yeah, we'll get there. If I get there before September 2nd, I can use it as my new technique. <laughs> I don't think I'm quite, <laughs> well, if I focused, I guess I could probably do it. Yeah, I'm around. Let's do this. All right. Well, Let's you're see. welcome to come up and use my machine. Oh, yeah. That's that's definitely my plan. Okay. <laughs> so good. Thanks. Yeah, that's all my knitting. It's been quite an exciting two weeks. Very exciting. Finished and starting. Yes. Good. All right. On the easel. I'm kind of in the same place. I finished El Capitan. Yay. And handed that off, which was just wonderful. And then, and then I was sort of, hmm, what am I going to do next? <laughs> And I started doing different botanical studies just to keep myself painting every day. And sometimes I show them and sometimes I don't because sometimes they look like a very self-conscious adult. I was going to say a kindergartner, but I think a kindergartner is so much more free with his or her art. So I think it, some of them are, were just a little too tight. But then I'm reading that Keep Going, the Austin Cleon. It's a little gem of a book about keeping at your creative process. And um, one of his suggestions is to make a gift. And I remembered that we have a little one who I had been meaning to make a piece of art for her playroom for a long time. So I was thinking about all the things that Lily loves, mushrooms and ladybugs and butterflies. And, and so sort of threw together this piece for Lily. It looks pretty structured, I think, in the end, but that's the nature of gouache. But I just let myself sort of play with this piece, and I love how it came out. I'm hey. so happy with it. Part of what was holding me back with this piece for her was, well, daylilies wouldn't necessarily bloom next to a fern, wouldn't necessarily be, you know, so I was sort of getting hung up on that botanical realism, and so mm. I was joking around that it's botanically inaccurate. So that's what I hashtagged. <laughs> and um, and then I thought, I could do a whole bunch of botanically inaccurate <laughs> things. And so I have. I've been playing in the sketchbook with lots of different compositions and tried something yesterday with charcoal, which I never mm. worked with. It came out terrible, but it was really fun to play. So I'm working in that arena on botanicals. I also... When I'm in these in-between stages, I love to do a vision board. And so I'm starting to like cut things up and play around with words and magazine images and old art and that kind of thing and seeing where it leads. And then yesterday, I got a bee in my bonnet. I'm painting the dining room. Oh, I'm terrible about starting a project and then getting distracted or inspired, as the case may be. Mm -hmm. 
and not finishing. But I'm going to finish the dining room today because all I have to do now is roll it out. You know, I did all the trim work yesterday. Then I get to hang all new art in there. Oh, fun. So I'm committed to that. <laughs> what color did you go with? The same color that the living room is. It's like oh. a really light gray, but it's been the original color that it was when we bought the house. So for oh, eight years, it's been oh, okay. this terrible taupe color. It definitely needs a refresh. And it's going to be so fun to have kind of a new palette of wall yeah. to hang some art on. But we had this giant patch. I put it in my Instagram stories yesterday. I had this giant patch randomly on the wall, and it looked very similar to the continent of Africa. Okay. <laughs> and everybody thought it was kind of an intentional, maybe weird patch, and everybody commented that it was shaped like Africa. And we had friends who went on safari a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and they explained most of their safari using <laughs> the, the shape of this patch on my wall. And so yesterday I primed it and my kids were so sad because Africa was gone. But it doesn't show the East Coast and it doesn't show Madagascar. So it wasn't geographically accurate anyway. (sighs) So I'm painting the dining room. That's what's happening. I do take little breaks to go do my studies, my paint studies. I really want to get back into the the oil painting. Uh, Okay. Oh, because you have your new brushes. I have a bunch of new brushes. I've been using the brushes for the botanical studies, Mm -hmm. and they feel really good. I really love the Italian. That Tintoretto one is beautiful. And then the the Borsiano ones, Bonazzi, they're all really beautiful, and I'm happy to paint with them. Do they just, are the bristles paint smoother, or how does it, what makes it more awesome than something Um, you could get at, say, Michael's? I use a synthetic brush because gouache is really rough. Gouache has some texture to it. So if you're painting watercolor, I use a natural brush, which would be like a squirrel or manker, something like that, because they're much more absorbent. So they hold a lot of water and pigment, and then you can kind of do like big wash areas with them or depending on the size of the brush. Because I paint with gouache and sometimes with oil, I love a um, synthetic brush because it's, it stands a little firmer. Like a, a natural brush has like a lot of bend to it. Okay. Whereas a synthetic brush is much springier for the type of painting that I like to do. Detail work and that kind of thing. Because otherwise the brush, like if you're trying to do something <clears throat> detailed, the brush will just squash down and spread out. Kind of. It squishes down. It doesn't hold, it holds too much water, not enough pigment. And so it just doesn't really work as well for gouache. And it's really rough on a brush. The natural brushes are a lot more expensive than a synthetic brush, as you can imagine. So the brushes that I'm using, they're just, they seem to be just the right posture for how I want to paint with gouache. Cool. And so the Italian ones are synthetic? Yeah, they're all synthetic. Oh, cool. Even the ones, well, no, that's not true. The one, the oil brushes are bore bristle, so they're really firm. And you need that because oil is such a beast to move around. Well, I'll get better at it eventually. But right now it feels, I have some synthetic brushes. 
but the first couple passes I like the boar because it lays down paint sort of quickly and I'm still figuring it out sounds good though so that's what's on the easel awesome all right on the table what you cooking vegetables yeah how's that box I am enjoying it so we've had two pickups so far I have another one today I really like the options that you can kind of choose what you want so even though they have strawberries peaches cantaloupe whatever every time you can pick the strawberries and the peaches and then you can pick the peaches and the cantaloupe so you feel like you're getting more of a variety mm-hmm. um, and you can lean it more veggie more fruit um, everything we've had has been really good the plums weren't fantastic but i think we just left them too long is it plum season right now i would think so it was there so apparently they're they're still there. I don't know if it's the height of the season. Right. They were good. Strawberries last week that were delicious. I had bok choy and chard. I've got baby broccoli coming this week. And I've got onions coming this week. They said it's a new crop of onions. So she said, I mean, an onion is an onion, but when they're new, they're just so much more flavor. So to try them out, because I think otherwise people would be like, eh, onions. I was like, all right. Try it out. So flavorful as in kick in the pants or? I guess so. We'll find out. Okay. I mean, they haven't been sitting for nine months a year. I don't know if they mellow or if they get stronger. Well, that's a good point. I don't know know anything about onions. Yeah. So I'll find out. Um, But I like it because I usually go grocery shopping on Monday or Tuesday. And then my produce pickup is Thursday. So I can kind of plan for my super fresh farm veggies for the weekend and take a little more time with them and yeah yeah that's good also since I know what I'm going to be getting when I'm doing my menu planning I'm really focused on okay now I need to use this is what I need to use so that is my starting place for my menu instead well I mean I'm not generally starting with okay I'm roasting a chicken anymore but I am looking at you know okay I've got this what can I build around that um, so it's been really good. I think last Thursday, I used the bok choy, just going to be my younger son and I, because the other two were out sailing. And so I used the bok choy with, I think I did chicken, and then I had a curry sauce, like a red curry sauce. And it was bottled, and I it was going to be a late night. He had soccer. I was getting him home from that. And yeah, so one less step. But I had the fresh, lovely, organic bok choy that was delicious. Um, and then the other night, I did... More of a regular stir fry, but we had mushrooms, which smelled so mushroomy. Like when you open the bag, it was just so earthy and amazing and delicious. And I mixed that with squash, garlic. I love mushrooms. Just saute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's been really fun. I've been enjoying that, kind of planning around the vegetables. So that's been helpful. Although the things that I had marked down to actually talk about, like actual recipes that I made, did not involve any of my produce box produce that's okay does that too but that's That's forgivable thanks (laughs) um the first is a summer corn risotto which is on food 52 and i had made this before and came back to it the thing here is that you make a corn broth to cook it in instead of using chicken broth or you know boxed veggie broth Um, so it really concentrates super corn flavor yeah and then you throw the fresh corn kernels in there at the end and it was really, really good. I think I overdid the amount of corn kernels that I threw in there. So it was like half corn, half rice, but it was delicious. Everybody liked that. And then last night we had a black pepper tofu and eggplant. 
Stir Fry, which is Smitten Kitchen's latest post. Did you make it too? I didn't. I've been having computer problems and I want to print it so that I can have the recipe in there with me. But I mean, it wouldn't kill me to read off the iPad, but it's hard. It's hard for me. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. Is it? It's so, yeah. Everything she said about it, it's super dark. My younger kid thought it was maybe a little bit too salty Oh, from all the soy sauce. Simon thought it was perfect. My big kid, I knew it was not going to be his favorite. He likes a little, generally likes a less intense flavor. Mm. We're salt okay. sensitive, so that's a good yeah. recipe. Well, and me. part of it was I had doubled all the tofu and eggplant. And it's really cool. You bake the tofu and eggplant on sheet pans. And you make the sauce and then you dump it in after it's baked. So I think I added more soy sauce, but didn't fully up the amount of sugar that I used in it. Mm. So I think my proportions were just a little off. Okay. Um, And it wasn't super, super salty, but it's definitely a a soy sauce kind of dish. Well, my kids love soy sauce. Yeah. But we, you know, we're mindful of sodium, so. Ah. Yeah, no, it was it was pretty pretty delicious. And then I served it with watermelon and cucumber salad. Yum. From Keepers, which is a really good cookbook. And it has I think it's like a white wine vinegar mm-hmm. and onions and, and you throw parmesan in there too, which I thought was interesting. It was delicious. It was a nice refreshing contrast to the, the eggplant. Watermelon and feta is fun. Yes. So I can see yeah. how something salty would carry it. Oh, that's true. I see what you're saying, yeah. And then I did not make the Riccarelli cookies. Riccarelli. Riccarelli cookies. Um, but I did make a Gravenstein apple crisp. We have friends up in Sebastopol who gave us a box of apples from their orchard. And so the best thing. cool. Yeah. So the best thing to do was pie, which is tricky with the gluten-free, but a crisp, basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. And a little bit easier. And it was pretty delicious. I love, love, love apple crisp. Yeah, it was delicious. I guess the Gravenstein season is really short, hmm. and it's right now. Who knew? Well, apparently my friends did. The people in Sebastopol. They people, know. Yeah, they know. <laughs> but it was interesting. I was telling my mom about it, and she said when she was growing up that they knew people up in Sebastopol who would give them Gravenstein apples, and she always just remembered the smell of them. It's a very particular smell, which I hadn't exactly noticed, but I went to see her this weekend, and we still had some of the apples left, so I brought them, and she's like, oh, yes, this is that smell. Huh. So that was fun. Yeah, and that was delicious, and that's that's pretty much all I've been cooking. That sounds great. I miss apple picking as a New Englander, and I still haven't done it out here. Now, now might terrible. be the time. I know. Okay, I've been making a lot of salads, And just throwing chicken into mine. The boys are eating chicken and pasta or, you know, whatever they're... Lettuce salad or more veggie heavy or... Well, a lot of spinach, a lot of Mm. greens. And then I've just been tossing in whatever herbs I have on the counter. The other day it was basil with the little mozzarella Mm. baccioni. Is that what those little mozzarella balls are called? Something like that, yeah. Those are fun. So more of like a caprese. The tiny tiny ones Uh or the... Oh, those are fun. A little caprese type uh-huh. salad with tomatoes, of course. And then I got some great heirloom tomatoes, and they were wonderful. But then last night, or the night before, I did mixed greens with some spinach, and I had blueberries mm-hmm. and goat cheese mm-hmm. and chives. Oh. And I just threw some chicken on top of it. It was delicious. That sounds And amazing. I want it again for lunch. 
I am making my own dressing. I was just going to ask what you're... I grew up in a kitchen, so we were always making pretty much the same dressing. And it's it's hard for me to make a different dressing. If it works. Yeah. So my go-to standard dressing, and I have very few deviations from this, is a smashed clove of garlic that I kind of grind with a little kosher salt. Mm -hmm. And I put that in a little jar. And I add rice wine vinegar and olive oil, almost equal. I'm more of an almost equal. Yeah. That whatever it is, one to four or what? No. No way. Yeah, yeah no or way. one to three. I'm like, no. Yeah. So almost equal. And it's, I don't, I don't know how much it would be. Maybe like a half a cup or three quarters of a cup each. This lasts all week. Yeah. And then I put maybe like a teaspoon of Dijon mustard or a little less and then just a little bit of mayonnaise and then shake the whole thing. And the mayo and mustard or mustard or mayo, if you're, you know, can't do one or the other, helps to emulsify the whole thing so it doesn't separate. And then I leave it on the counter, even though it has a little bit of mayonnaise in there. I use it before it spoils, even when it's just sitting out. And my, I have two deviations. If plums are in season, I will take a plum and peel it and then just squeeze a plum into the dressing and it kind of sweetens it. And it's awesome on like pork chops or chicken or it turns into more of like a A marinade. uh Uh-huh. In the wintertime, sometimes I'll add a little bit of orange juice to it. Also Mm. good on pork, come to think of it. Yeah. Then it's better like a citrus, you know, citrus-based dressing. Like fennel and oranges. uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That has been my go-to dinners this week. I also attempted watermelon granita. I bought a watermelon at Costco, which I think I threw out my shoulder trying to get this thing in the car. It was so huge. And I thought, this is only going to make a small... I need this big watermelon because it's only going to make a little. I was wrong, as I often am. (laughs) I got that thing into the car, got it home, washed the whole thing off, which was like washing... I don't know. It was so big, it barely fit into my sink. Oh, I was going to say, it's like washing a baby. but Yeah, or a car. It was huge. Cleaned the whole thing, cut it in half, and I was ready to like totally dice up this whole watermelon. The recipe said do it in the blender. So I had it in the Vitamix and I was just taking chunks in there and then you're supposed to run it through a strainer to take out some of the chunky pieces. Seems like a lot of work. It was a lot of work. And then my fatal mistake was my freezer couldn't fit like a whole (laughs) sheet pan. So I put it in like a nine by nine square pan. Mm -hmm. You know, I put it in there and I was like, we're going to have granita tonight. Oh, it has um, a little bit of sugar and a lot of lime juice. It's a great flavor. It could use a pinch of salt. Well, the whole thing froze like a brick. And now, I mean, I tried scraping at it. And really, it was only like a quarter of a watermelon filled up this whole thing. And I'm thinking, do you think I can just leave it out, let it melt, and refreeze it? Is that... You know how you're not supposed to refreeze anything? It's yeah, just watermelon. But it's not, yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, it'd be like refreezing an ice cube, basically, right? Right. I don't think it'll hurt it. But anyway, maybe you could freeze I it. To... Do you have an ice cube container? You could freeze it in ice cubes and then chuck it back in the blender to kind of. That's crush a great it idea. Or a food processor, whatever. And I might actually be able to leave it out and let it soften. 
and then chuck it back. You know what I mean? Like break it up with a yeah. Because it'll come out of the it'll come out of the pan. Anyway, that's my granita fail. But the recipe so tasted wait, so good. Did you have the granita? Um, I went at it, it with a fork, <laughs> you know, and scraped, scraped to get the tiniest. It was like me with my charred corn. Oh, yeah, I have it a corn too fail long. too. I know. Anyway, that's where I'm at with that. So I, it tasted good. It tasted good. Need some the work. execution was a fail. For my heirloom recipe. Heirloom recipe for the bingo. Is what My, you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Which yep. is not tomato based. It could be if that's your thing. I was thinking really hard about the heirloom recipes and I couldn't decide which one I was going to do. I wanted something that was, I don't know. I don't know which one I was searching for. And then I remembered that my grandma who does, who did crossword puzzles, I have like most people, two grandmas. <laughs> and I spent a lot of time growing up with my crafty grandma who taught me how to do sewing and embroidery and that kind of thing. I spent a lot of time at her house and the other grandma was her opposite and enjoyed mowing the lawn and doing crossword puzzles. Was this the Boston cream pie grandma? Boston cream pie grandma was crafty grandma. Really? She was a terrible cook. Neither one. Oh, right. She was crafty, but a terrible cook. Okay. Neither one of them were like particularly good cooks. Okay. Anyway, uh, crossword grandma made this date nut bread and she would bake it in like a soup can or a bean can. I don't know why, but I always remember it coming out of the oven in this can. And then when it cooled, she would take the bottom off the can and push the bread through and then slice it. So it would be like a cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving. Oh, yes. You know, it had that shape in the rings and she'd slice it and then she'd put a little cream cheese on it. And that would be like an afternoon snack or for breakfast or whatever. So I was thinking about this date nut bread, which I used to love when I was a kid. And I've looked for this recipe before and not really found exactly the right thing. So I hunted again. I found one that I thought was close, made it, but I made it in loaf pan. So it just didn't have the same, I don't know why. I couldn't get it as intense as the heirloom recipe. I think it needs some molasses. I mean, that's pretty New Englandy. Right. And it would intensify the flavor. It's not sweet at all, the recipe that I found. And I like it. It's very fibrous because it's (laughs) full of dates. And I used walnuts, toasted walnuts. Mm. The flavor was good. Great breakfast bread. My kids did not like it. My husband said, you know, you could just omit the dates and go with chocolate chips. (laughs) (laughs) Noted. Did you have the cream cheese? I put cream cheese on mine. It tasted different or not as I recall. So I'm still searching, but I did attempt it. Closer. Closer. But then in the midst of all of this, remember last time we talked, I stated that no one likes lima beans. Yes. Well. Apparently it's not true. We released the episode and then a couple days later, I get a text from a cousin and all it says is, I like lima beans. (laughs) Hi, Megan. I laughed out loud in my kitchen because it was totally out of nowhere. And I wasn't really even thinking about it because no one likes lima beans. (laughs) And then I get that text. So I felt like it was my responsibility as a podcaster who is often wrong 
to pull the universe and see. And I have to say, half the universe likes lima beans. I was wrong. Not only that, (laughs) but I said to my family, can you believe that all these people like lima beans? And my husband, my own husband, my own offspring, all three of them were like, we like lima beans. (laughs) So. (laughs) All right, then. The responses I got on my Instagram story was about 50-50. The response in my household is a little greater than that. But were it not for Bummer our... for them, because they're not getting lima beans. Were it not for our conversation and my making assumptions for the entire eating population and our adorable cousin writing me a message... I would not have even given another thought to lima beans. So. (laughs) I mean, I'm not fond of them either. So as far as you knew, we were at 100% of not liking lima beans. So it's kind of like celery in my household. My husband actually loves it, but I don't. I don't do celery. So we never have it. I love celery. Although I have bought it occasionally and put it in and told him it's there. And it just sits there for a week until I throw it out so yeah it's more of a love is a little bit it's a mirepoix thing for me yeah i will put it in there okay but um if it's like in chicken salad that ruins the chicken salad oh really i love it no you know what else is good celery salt i'm okay with that it's i don't i don't think it's a flavor i think it's a texture thing yeah i I mean if you put enough peanut butter on it i will (laughs) eat it but I broke a tooth on a piece of celery, and I was so angry that I broke a tooth on something as virtuous as celery <laughs> that I am kind of holding a grudge against celery, but I still eat it. That's reasonable. Lima beans, on the other hand, <laughs> I have no beef with, and I'm still not touching I don't them. think you would break a tooth on lima beans. Definitely not. Yeah. Because they're so mealy and gross. <laughs> <laughs> Says you. Thank you, everybody, who played along. It's important um, scientific research. Yeah, totally. So then on the nightstand. What are you reading? Not what have much. you read? Well, you've been knitting up a storm. That's true. So I finished There There by Tommy Orange, which is the multi-viewpoint story of Native Americans in Oakland, California, and they're all gathering to attend a big powwow, that is the official name of it, at the Oakland Coliseum. Lots of parts of it I liked, but it was not my favorite book. Yeah. I was kind of confused by all the viewpoints, and I had a hard time keeping track of... There were a lot of viewpoints. Yes. Um, And they were short chapters. I didn't feel like I got to know anybody particularly well. And usually I can keep up with, you know, if there's different timelines or storylines, I'm usually pretty good at keeping track of everything, but... I didn't feel that I had a good grasp on who was who. And I liked how they were all interconnected. I liked, I was able to tell where the story was going. I mean, you could follow along with the plot. I think what I appreciated about it was that perspective of an urban Native American. Yes. We, I think, are often, I don't know, there's, I could be better, we could all be better about seeking out Native American literature, but it often feels like we are on a reservation, a remote reservation. And those stories, while important, aren't the whole story. And what I liked about 
Well, it also helped that it was Oakland and we're here in the Bay Area and and having that connection to it. So I did I did really appreciate that. Same. And I liked one of the characters was making a documentary of exactly what the book is about, Native American, urban Native American voices, and just having people tell their story, any story, and was going to put it together into a documentary to tell the narrative of the urban experience. experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the book was kind of the book form of what this character was trying to accomplish in the movies. So I like that kind of back and forth, but overall it was not, not my favorite work, but that happens. And then man, didn't read anything very good this week. Um, (laughs) The other one I just finished last night, girls night out by Liz Fenton and Lisa Steinke. It's a thriller. I picked it up because it takes place in Tulum, Mexico, where Mm -hmm. we went last winter. I thought it would be sort of light and refreshing. And it was. It was fine. It was fine for what it was. It was three friends, college friends, and they're now just about to turn 40. They're having some issues. Two of them work together. They own a company. um, And they haven't talked to the third one in about a year since they all had a big fight at third one's husband's funeral. And so they're trying to reconnect and get their friendship back together. And one of them wakes up their last morning there on the beach, sopping wet, covered in sand, and she can't remember anything that happened the night before, and one of their friends is missing. So it's kind of going back and forth between what happened the week they were there, and then searching for the friend and what's going on with that, and it's, you know, they all have secrets and drama, and I just kind of found them annoying. (laughs) So, And it was interesting, like the Tulum stuff was interesting, because I'd just been there, and they went to Chichen Itza, although they kept talking about this amazing Mayan ruins. And I'm like, but there's Mayan ruins in Tulum. Why didn't you just go there? Anyway. So yeah, so if you like thrillers, it's a thriller. Okay. So I am enjoying Death's End by Cheshin Lu, the audiobook that's the third in the series with the aliens. This one starts off where the second book starts off, but involves different characters. And so runs in parallel for a bit with the second book and then keeps going and we'll get some sort of a resolution. It's really interesting. I mean, there's all the science, but we are now about 300 years out from now. So all of the changes that human society has undergone because of the aliens, but also just because 300 years have yeah. passed yeah. and science has changed and people have changed and things they like and what they think of and what they do culturally and where we live and all of the the world building this author has done has been pretty incredible. So that's interesting. And, and then he's got, you know, science stuff yeah. <laughs> as well. That's <laughs> kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, so no, so I'm really enjoying that. I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to wrap it all up. And uh, yeah, and then I don't even know what my next book book is because I just finished late last night and I've been busy this morning. All right. So it'll be very exciting to find out. Well, I had four great reads this oh, good. past week. Yeah. I read The Most Fun We Ever Had by Clara Lombardo, and it was really great. I totally enjoyed this book, and it's a, it's a pretty thick family drama. It's about sisterhood and these four sisters and how they're, they're adults for most of it, and they're looking at their parents very... From their perspective, their parents have this perfect marriage, and they just can't imagine how they're ever going to have that kind of marriage for themselves. And and then the sisters, how they 
hold each other up and hold each other back and just this really complex family drama. And it was unexpected and great. And there's a surprise that happens, like several surprises in it that just really make you stop and think, what would you do in that situation? I I was really transfixed by these characters. I loved it. Great writing. I really recommend it. Then I read Song of a Captive Bird by Jasmine Darznick, and this is a historical fiction novel based on the Iranian poet Furu Farigzad. So she was born in 1934 and died in 1967. I am not, yeah, I am not anywhere near versed in Iranian history. Mm so I won't even attempt. However, her brief life is really profound because she was one of the first poets to receive any remote recognition in Iran. And she was completely hailed and then ostracized. And the choices that she made were very public according to the novel. I don't I haven't read her biography and but the poetry is interspersed with the novel mm-hmm. and it is so luminous and I really I hope people find their way to this book because I think it is it tells um just a a really universal story of her struggle to become her herself like out from underneath her father and then out from underneath her husband even though it was a marriage that she thought she wanted and it was it's just I thought it was a fascinating story and again the writing was really beautiful and I loved that her poetry was interspersed yeah that's cool because it was it was relevant to what you know, because it's his, a historical novel. And there wasn't a lot of source material, I think, for the, for the author to use besides the poetry that she had published. So then I read The River Yay! by Peter Heller, and that is my entry for... Something that I recommended. Something Monica recommended. I think I read it in under five hours. It was extraordinarily fast. It makes me super nervous because my boys are very adventure driven and I could see them one or the other or both saying, hey, I think we're going to take a kayak or a canoe through Canada for the summer and we'll see you. I've got one of those as well. Yeah. It was hard to divorce myself from the thought that one of my kids could be doing something like this. (laughs) But I really enjoyed the book. Peter Heller is just genius. (laughs) I just love his economy of words. Yeah. And then I don't even, Monica has talked about this. I forget which episode you recommended this book. It was a couple back. Yeah. Maybe before we went to. Beginning of the summer, I think. Yeah. I thought that it, it was particularly timely given the fires in the Amazon. And I thought that you gave no spoilers when you recommended it. I was completely surprised by the book. Okay. So I promptly handed it to my husband because mm-hmm. he had a trip this week and he read it on the flight and back and Finn had closed it last night. 
and he's exhausted and finished the book. And I said, so do you want to talk about it? You know, and he, and he said, no. (laughs) And I said, can you just remember that when the boys tell me that they want to take some giant canoe ride and I have a freak out about it, that this book is partly why. And he laughed and fell asleep. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. And then I read Whiskey and Ribbons by Lisa Cross Smith. I think I found Whiskey and Ribbons in the same list that I found Song of a Captive Bird because I was looking for great fiction by women of color. Whiskey and Ribbons is about um, a really interesting threesome. Two brothers or two guys who are close as brothers. They were raised together and the wife of one of them. And very early on, we lose one of the guys. He's a he's a police officer and he is killed in the line of service. So the couple in this is African American. When her husband, the officer, dies in the line of duty, she is very pregnant. Oh. And so his chosen brother, his best friend, the guy he was raised with, moves in to help with the newborn. And they are struggling with their grief, and they both desperately miss Eamon, the officer who was who was killed, and how they're gonna like move forward without him. And it is just this really beautiful story of friendship and grief. And I like how it's told in all three viewpoints the wife the officer and his brother and how and it just alternates like that so it's kind of predictable who you're going to get next Mm. and so I was finding I would you know you'd read through all three perspectives which is three chapters and then I'd think well I need to know you know it's the Scheherazade thing I need to know what's going to happen so I'd be caught reading three more and then well just one more So it was a pretty quick read because the momentum is, her story building is great. You just want to hear what, how is this all gonna, and, and it tells backstory and, oh, it's just really good. So I I really had more books to my library list. I've already, I thought I was all cut up and then I had a bunch more come in. I can't. But it's only three. It's only three because you've read the river. I know. But I have like six that are on my Kindle right now that are due in like two weeks. I'm really happy that I um, had done that research though in the beginning of the summer for the authors of color. Everything has been just super fulfilling, great reads. And so, I mean, I feel like I could have done a whole bingo chart based on that alone. So those are my, those are my recommendations. And then my last book to add is I am reading the German cookbook. It's a complete guide to mastering authentic German cooking by Mimi Sheraton. And it is like the Julia Child wow. version for German food. And it is... Um, is it from the same time period? Because that cover is... It feels like it. There's some idiosyncrasies that... It, I think it was published in 1964. So, But she also gives advice about how to be a tourist and uh-huh. eating in Germany. And it is fun. You know, she says, don't cut your potato with a f- knife. You'll look like a, an uneducated boar <laughs> or something. Okay. 
Who knew? So, or boorish, I guess. I, I don't remember her exact quote. Uh, it's a little rough. You're supposed to smash it with a fork, in case you're wondering. Oh, I was wondering. Okay, good to know. And then she uh, has great advice for how to make recipes feel more German. You know, there's a lot more caraway and brown sauces and beer and <laughs> sour cream is, is often oh. added. That Those kinds of flavorings can help a traditionally French recipe lean more German. So those little bits of advice. And then how, how the German um, schedule of eating feels very... Uh, Hobbits-ish, if you will. They have, and this is, of course, very stereotypical, and it's one person's observation, but it's still fun to read. How you have a light breakfast of toast and coffee at, you know, at wake up. And then around 11, you'd have, you know, something a little more substantial. And then at noon, you'd have lunch. And then (laughs) it's, it's great fun. And then there's a part in it where she said, and anybody who's still up at midnight will eat again. <laughs> oh, dear. So I don't think I've ever read a cook, sat down and read a cookbook like this, at least not in a long while. But I think because she's talking about how to be a, a tourist and eat according to their schedule. schedule, it's just really fun. So bingo. To enter, you must post a picture of your bingo card with a completed row on Instagram with the hashtag CCRR Summer Bingo 2019. If we are not following you or you're not sure, please tag us as well. The last date for entries is September 2nd, 2019. Pictures of your completed squares or what you've done to complete your square are not required, but we would love to see them. And I've seen a couple more um, completed bingo cards posted. I did not make a note of who it was, but I did notice some. Very exciting. Penny Gale's reading Anna Karenina, which is one of my favorites. I can't wait to, to see how this shakes out. So I have one square remaining. Oh, wow. You are close. Although... Wait, did you grill? I attempted. That counts. It didn't cook it. Oh, well, that's a problem. <laughs> um, but I attempted, and I charred some corn in the process. Oh. It just... It burnt the corn, but it didn't really cook it. And there's, mm-hmm. it's all one thing. I tried to turn it down. I don't know what I, I don't know what that grill is for. <laughs> the griddle in the middle. Yeah. I think I have successfully toasted hamburger buns or English muffins on them, but I also okay. have a toaster. Yeah. So I don't know. I need to figure out how to better use that real estate. Right. Instead of having my spoon rack there oh. or my um, spoon rest. Uh, but my remaining square is make a picnic. I did that this time. I did part of a picnic. So we have the Stern Grove Music Festival oh, yeah. here in the city, which is a free festival all summer, every Sunday. They have concerts, all sorts of bands, and the ballet and the symphony perform as well. So Pink Martini was playing. I think they're actually Canadian. They're kind of swing and salsa, and they're really great. Fun. Big band. So group of friends and I went, and it's in the afternoon, and you, the thing is you bring a picnic, and so we all got our act together, and we had charcuterie. I was in charge of, I was in charge of the meat, <laughs> which now that I think about it is kind of funny. Yeah. Anyway, so I brought, you know, salami and prosciutto and all that good stuff, and we had someone bringing cheese, and someone brought dips and 
bread and someone brought dessert and it was super fun. And it was one of those days. It was sunny. We're not expecting. And Stern Grove is, it can be really cold. Yeah, Uh, it can. It was not. It was really hot and we were right in the opens. All of our like the cheese started to get, and get a little sketchy looking. The prosciutto was kind of cooked, and but it was delicious. The music was great. It was super fun. That's so fun. And yeah, and it was a picnic. I'm going to make this the picnic happen for myself tomorrow. I feel like you could have an indoor picnic if you need to. Well, I'm going to go draw outside somewhere. Yes. And I bought myself some travel chopsticks that I'm really excited to use. Fun. So... I'm going to make that happen. Great. I still have a few more. I did the repair. I'm counting my heel fixing because I ripped it out. And Absolutely. Um, and I think that's all I've done this time. I'm still... Are we counting library books for the borrowed? Yes. Oh, then I've done that one too. Yes, of course. Okay. Because I have one that's definitely used that I've been meaning to read and I just have had so many library books that I have not gotten to it. And what else do I have to do? Oh, the new technique. Bang out the sweater. <laughs> How much time do I have? Like two weeks-ish? Yeah, you have Labor plenty Day. of time. You just have to try it. This you don't week. have to do well, it I, on the actual sweater. Oh, that's true. I could just do my swat. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. you have plenty of time. Oh, I can do that. I think. Yeah. We'll see. And so can you, people. You have like two weeks, right-ish? Yeah, so when this comes out, you'll have less time. You'll have a few days. <laughs> <laughs> Hop to it. So when this comes out, you will have one, two, three, four. Four days left. So, chop chop. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Not at all. Just but We're just so good. happy that you listeners have been playing along and have been somewhat inspired by our, our um, crazy bingo grid. Yeah. It has been very satisfying for me in surprising ways, so I'm glad we did it. And it's all Monica's credit because it was her idea. I just made the... Chart. But you had all the ideas, too. Yeah, but it was your idea to do the bingo. Okay. We're both awesome. That's really <laughs> what it comes down to. <laughs> Equally awesome. And so are you all awesome. Make sure you to do something you love every day. Thanks for listening. Bye. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf. That's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.